Welcome to the One Hope Church podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. There is a phrase that if you're part of One Hope, you have been part of One Hope, you know that I say quite frequently. There's a phrase that you know that I believe deeply. If you're just new to One Hope, I want to warn you or tell you, this will be something I say all the time. I believe that you and I are created on purpose for a purpose. You know that deep in my bones, I believe that you and I are valuable. It's why I say it all the time, because I think the world beats down at that understanding that you are created on purpose for a purpose. And when we know that, this is really important, when we know that, and when we own that, this is when we can start beginning the process of living out why we were created on this earth. We are all here on purpose. Now, I also believe something else really deeply. I believe that that isn't just a you thing, not just a me thing, not just an individual thing. That is an us thing. By that, I mean his church. I believe that his church is created on purpose for a purpose. I believe, just like you and I, that we are not created by accident or it just happened. I believe that this, we as a church, are created on purpose. I actually believe that there's still so much more that God wants to do through his church that we've never experienced before, that there's still so much more that God wants to do through you and through me, his people, his church, than we've ever experienced before. But in order, I think, to experience that, in order to live that out, I think we need to own on a deep level, hear me, I'm going to push us today, to own on a deep level that we were, as his church, created for a purpose. We are not here for you just to come on Sundays and say you have a place to go to. We are not here so you can say, I belong to a place for 30 years. This is my church. This place does not exist just because of a group of people decided You come together. I don't believe that. I believe his church was created, um, and there's a purpose to all this, and it's deep, and it's powerful. And honestly, I want us to own this. I want us to believe this on a deeper level. It's why I want to start a new series today, a new series of conversations for the whole month of August that's going to talk about that. It's going to talk about us. It's going to talk about his church. It's going to talk about us as his followers. But I also want to tell you, it's not going to be exactly the way that I planned. I had a plan going into this week and into this month. If you remember, actually at the end of service last week, I said, hey, we're going to start a new, a new series next week, and I'm going to do something I've never done before. I'm going to use the same story as the foundation for every week's message. I've never done it before, but I had a plan. 
But then this Wednesday came. I'd start preparing for this Sunday, and I was on the move. I was ready to go, and as always, I'm getting excited about what God's going to share. But then I had a moment in my office. I don't know if you've ever had a moment, but I had a moment in my office where it just has me, had me pausing and, and thinking. I had a moment, and honestly, I can't describe. It's one of those things you really can't put words to. It's just, it just something was stirring in me. I had a moment. And all I knew to do in that moment was to understand that I was supposed to be obedient in changing the plan that I had created. So, it may be different than I expected this month, but I want you to hear, even though it's only Wednesday when I think God began to stir this, I believe there's a deep word that God has for us this month. And what I believe that God wants to speak to us about is what we were designed, called, and created to be as a church. I believe he wants us to grab a hold of the truth that One, church, one Hope Church was not created by accident. There actually is a purpose to this. There's a purpose to you being here. There's something that we can all be a part of that's bigger than any one of us. I, I think he wants us to grab a hold of that. So let's go. The year was 1998. And I was just graduating high school, and a couple days later, I was headed to Indiana Wesleyan University. I was headed to Indiana Wesleyan so, so quickly because, because I didn't want to quit learning. I didn't want to stop going to classes. I just really enjoyed, I was just that kind of student, and I just didn't want to quit. Or I had a job to go to, and I needed to make money before the school year starts. I'm not sure which one it was. You can decide what you know about me. But there I was. My parents were taking me to college, packing up the handful of things that I had. Do you know how that works, right? You got a handful of things and you're making up your room. Well, the day was about to come to a close and it was time for my parents to leave. It was time for me to start my new journey. And so they left and there I was in my room just looking around, wondering to myself, thinking to myself, what am I going to do next? What am I supposed to do now? It was May 12th, 2005. Ellie Moore had just entered the world a few days ago. And Amber and I were just leaving the hospital with this tiny human being in the back seat of our car. And we got home, took the car seat out, and laid it in the living room. And we both looked at each other. We had the same sentiment. What do we do now? The year was approximately 50 to 70 A.D., when a man named Luke wrote these words in Acts chapter 1. That's where we're going to go today if you want to grab your Bibles. Acts chapter 1, verse 4. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, this is Jesus. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, 
But wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. They're not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And after saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Just like me starting college. Just like Amber and I starting out as parents. I think the disciples in this moment are asking the same question I was asking then. Amber and I were asking then, what do we do now? What do we do now? Listen, the reason I think that God led me to Acts chapter 1 this week and wanted these conversations to start here this week it's because whether we know it or not, this is a pivotal moment. This right here is a, a pivotal moment in the lives of the early Christians, in the lives of Jesus' followers, in the life of the future church. This moment is a big moment. Because listen, up to this point, Jesus had just been with them. Up to this point, when they had a question, they had a problem, they had something they needed, they could just go to Jesus. He was right there with them. But now, all of a sudden, 40 days after he had risen again, they were all alone. Just 40 days after he had come back from the dead, they're all alone. And it was in this moment, they had to feel like all they had was each other. Listen, things seemed like they'd been working out. Things were getting better. I mean, Jesus' head died. That was hard, but then he rose again. He was back, and things seemed to be working out. Now, now Jesus is gone. Now Jesus you're all right. <laughs> now Jesus is gone. What do we do? I imagine this moment had to feel awful. You know how I like to work. I want us to jump into the text. I want us to jump into the feelings. I want to jump into what this moment would be like. How awful had to this feel? Imagine what it would have been like for James and Peter and John and Matthew and Mary in this moment. They're in the middle of something. 
all the hopes they had of what could have been. Life is going fine, and then just bam, everything changes. And they're left, I think, with this feeling. What do I do now? What do we do now? Imagine what it would have been like to be them. But I don't think that's hard, right? Like, you have stories exactly like my stories at the beginning, right? You've got your stories where, where you feel that insecurity. You've got your stories where you're not really sure what to do next in your life. You have your stories. You know what the feeling is like where it's like, I don't know what to do now. I think not only individually you have your stories, I think collectively do, we do. Don't we share that experience in life? Haven't we been sharing that experience in life? The unsettling nature of the past year the unsettling nature of what life feels like right now. We don't know what's next. So what are we supposed to do now? We can say this in our lives, and this is what I think the disciples are saying. I mean, they had given themselves to this movement. They were all in with this movement of Jesus. I mean, I think back and I read back to the stories of what they experienced as people. They had given their lives to this. And now they go, we got to keep this going. We'd given our lives to this movement. We'd been called out. We're following Jesus. And we got to keep this going. But what are they supposed to do now? And here's what I want to propose today. Here's what I want us to see about Scripture today, that it was in this moment. I don't know if you've recognized this part of Scripture before, but it was in this moment, it was in these next decisions that we're going to make and break the future. It was in these decisions was the movement that Jesus started going to continue it was in these next days, uh, what they did would determine the future of what they had been part of. And honestly, based on what I read, this moment is so big that I think it's in this moment that the church was born. We see it right in front of us, that the church is born in this moment. I think how they responded showed us how the church can live and breathe and be a powerful movement in this world. And the reason we have to go to Acts 1 is because to begin the conversation of what our purpose of a church is supposed to be, then I think we have to go to and answer the question, what is the church built on? What is the foundation of this movement of the church that started way back then? What did they do? What were the decisions that they made? Well, to know that, all we have to do is keep reading. Acts chapter 1, verse 12. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives. A Sabbath day walk from the city. When they arrived, 
they went upstairs to the room where they stayed. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. What did they do when they weren't sure what to do next? What is the foundation this church movement? Not just that church movement, this church movement, the one we're still part of. What was it built on? Two simple but powerful things. They did what Jesus told them to do. And they came together in unity and prayer. Do you see that in Acts chapter 112? It's, it's simple. It's right in front of us. What were they supposed to do? What, was, what were the decisions they needed to make after Jesus left, after just left hanging there? What should we do next? What do we do now? Life feels uncertain. How do we keep going what was started they didn't want to just end the healings, the miracles, the life change. How do we keep this going? They did what Jesus told them to do. And they came together in unity, in prayer. When they weren't sure what to do, then what the next move was, they submitted themselves to obedience in waiting for what Jesus had for them. And they found a way to live in unity with each other while believing in the power of prayer. And here's what I think. You may disagree, but here's what I think. Sometimes I think a move like this doesn't seem like enough for us. If we were in their seats, would we have done the same thing? I think often we look at this and say, that's not enough. Think about your life when you've gone through a challenge. Think about when you've gone through something really tough. What was your first move? What was your go-to move? What do you do when you feel the weight of life and you're not sure what to do next? When was the last time your first move was, I'm just going to stop, get with somebody, and I'm going to pray? Not in the last move of desperation, but in a strategic first move. Something has to happen in life. What is your move you go to? Is this not enough for you? Listen, this is what I see in the followers of Jesus. They felt like it was enough. Not only enough, it was the thing to do. And sometimes I think we forget these are real people. Sometimes I think we, for, we think there's this huge gap between us and them because they're in the Bible and we're not. But they're real people. 
They were real people, just like so many of you in the room who, who believe in Jesus with everything that you believe. They're just like us. And they didn't have to stay united. You get that? We see the end of the story, but they didn't have to stay united. They didn't have to do what Jesus told them to do. They didn't have to just go to the house and pray with each other. Do you know they each could have decided to grab the bull by the horns and do their own thing. They cared deeply about what was going to happen in this movement of Jesus' followers, and they could have said, I know better. I've got my own ideas. I'm going to do my own thing. Out of good intentions, this could have happened. I bet there was a lot of opinions in that upper room that were never recorded. I bet there's a lot of conversations that went on. What is the best thing to continue what Jesus came to do? But I look at this and I think, man, I think what they did was such an incredibly God-honoring moment of humility where they said, you know what? The best thing we can do, the best thing we can do right now is stick together and pray for what God has for us next. And you know what? God honored that. What's exciting is if you continue to read, you'll see that God honored this simple display of obedience and submission and belief to be united in prayer. I think this action that they took opened the door for something to happen that they never could have done on their own. I think this opened the door to what Paul talks about later when he's talking to the church in Ephesus where he says to God who does immeasurably more than we can ever ask or imagine. The more was right here in this moment because of how they handled that moment. We see in Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. They're still together, all right? They're still hanging. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Do you see what happened right there? This is no ordinary moment, and it did not happen by accident. These people did what Jesus told them to do. These people waited in Jerusalem like Jesus told them to do, and they just believed that they need to stay united and prayerful until the time came. And they received something that they never would have experienced again if they had done it on their own. Listen, the result of their obedience and dedication to prayer was Holy Spirit power. 
Do we get this? We can't let this pass us by. The result of their obedience and their dedication to be united in prayer, the result of this is Holy Spirit power. And let me throw this out there for you. Once again, I believe it's in this moment. It's in this moment the church was created into something greater than it had ever been. It was in this moment that God started to equip the church, the people, which is the church, to do things that had never been seen or done on earth before. Jesus had told them, you'll do even more than I did when you received the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're starting to see some of this right now. When you read the book of Acts, and we will this month, you'll see this relatively small movement start to explode. This small movement becomes something it was never been before. And they're able to do this not just because they had the power of committed people. They weren't able to do this just because they had a good strategy. Because there was good intentions. Because there were skills in the room. Listen, it was just simply because they had the power of God behind them. That's what this story is. They were able to do more as the church, not because of them, but because the power of God that was behind them. And I said at the beginning, I want us to own this. I want us to believe this. I want us to understand that God has created us on purpose for a purpose as a church. That I think God's created us to be on mission. I believe that God's created us to be a powerful movement, a life-changing movement on this earth. But I also believe that we as a church have gotten into the habit and into the mindset of severely underestimating and underbelieving what could be done through the church that is un- united in obedience and built on prayer. What I want to call out today is that I think we underestimate what all this can be when it's built on obedience and it's built on unity through prayer. I believe maybe that God wants to release his power into the church, but we've got to do our part. That God wants to do more. But before that can happen, maybe he's asking us, do you see what the early followers did? Do you see what this built on? Do you see how this came about? Maybe he's asking us, are we willing to Submit to the ways that Jesus wants to move versus the ways we fix our own eyes and our own desires on. Maybe he's asking us, will we believe that this place is the vehicle that God has decided to change the world versus just a place we come to on Sundays? Maybe he's asking us if we will wait and be open to how God wants to move in the present versus just being fixed on the way he moved in the past. Maybe he's asking us if we will fight 
to live in uncommon unity versus common division. I want you to hear this. Every church in America says they want what God wants. Every church in America says what they want, and they want what God wants. But does the church look like what we see in the first chapters of Acts? Are we truly given over to obedience to Jesus? And may we not skip over that question. Are we truly given over to obedience to Jesus as his people? And do we truly believe our greatest strategy is unity through prayer? Do we look like, act like, what we see where the church was born. Because that is what was and is the foundation that the church is built on. Listen, y'all, I think that the church is under attack right now. And by that, I don't mean by a government institution or any political statement. I don't believe that. Listen, if you want to compare what the early church went through versus what we're going through, it is not the same story. We can have that conversation another day. I believe we have a bigger enemy who wants to use the shaky life experiences, the isolating experiences, the, the, just the things that have that wrapped its arms around us to destroy, to destroy what People started a couple thousand years ago. People who just believed and were obedient to Jesus. And it feels like to me, the reason we're going down this road, and I think what God has put in my heart, it feels like this church is shrinking down when we should be in a moment like this standing up. I think what I see is that we're getting caught up in things that do not matter versus operating like we truly believe we have a purpose on this earth. It feels too often that this, the church, is treated as an option versus the thing that Jesus, that God had decided this is what's going to change the world. And the question that I think, like I'm in my office, I'm in this moment that I told you about, and God's like, what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about that? How are we going to be a part of this? What do we do now? What do we do when things are uncertain? When we don't know what the world's going to look like tomorrow, next week, or in a year, everything has been shaken up. What are we going to do when I think God is calling us to refocus on what we were created for? What are we going to do? Now, I don't have the answer to all that, but I think I'm in good company because I'm pretty sure the disciples didn't either. But I want to call you to something. 
I want to invite you to something. I want to ask for some things from you over this next month. I want to ask you if you'll be committed to just three things. Will you pray for one hope every day for the month of August? Will you pray that the Holy Spirit becomes the, 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 the thing that moves and, and solidifies and, and, and operates in, in, in its greatest power in this church? Will you pray that we will be on mission? Will you pray for life change? Will you pray for the students? Will you pray for the kids? Will you pray for marriages? Will you pray that God wins in what's happening? Will you pray for the immeasurably more? Will you pray for Holy Spirit power to be the thing that empowers us so that more happens through this place than we've ever experienced. It was a month and a half or two months ago when I stood in front of our staff, our staff meeting, and I got very emotional. You've seen this side of me before. And I admitted to them, I admitted to them that I had not led them well. Because I said, I don't know what happened, but something happened over the past year that I became the person that was operating in a survival mindset. And I said I was sorry. I said, I'm sorry that I haven't expected more. I said to them, I said, listen, we were not created to just survive. We were created to experience more than anything that's going on around us. The church has never failed because of outside circumstances. The church has never failed because of persecution. The church has never failed because of what the world is doing, the decisions that's going, we have never failed. We fail when we don't expect more. We fail when we don't invite the Holy Spirit to move. We fail when we make it about us. We fail when we get critical. We fail when we don't come in his presence in worship. We fail when we don't do things we're gonna talk about this month. But the church has been built on believing that the Holy Spirit can empower us to do great things for life change. And I admitted to them, and I'll say to you, I, I was in that mindset, survival. But I'm not in that mindset anymore. Because we've expected far too less. You've expected far too little of yourself, and I've expected far too little of myself as a follower of Jesus and what we can do as we come together and united in prayer, asking the Holy Spirit to do its work. Will you pray every day for One Hope Church? Second thing, will you pray for God to show you how you can be part of what he's doing through One Hope? We all have a place. You have a place here. I don't care if this is your first day or you've been here for years and years. You have a place because God created this place on purpose for a purpose. And he needs all of us to say, God, what's my place to move this church?
Not for my glory, but for you. For your kingdom to come, not my kingdom to come. For the world to be changed. What's my place? Will you pray for that? And then thirdly, will you simply commit to either being in this room or being online? I'm not going to tell people, you know, this is a weird time right now. Whatever is right by your, but will you commit either in this room or online for this month as we talk about us? Will we come together? Can we find some unity in this? Because I'm dead set that I don't care what's going on around us that God wants to use us, and I don't know what that is. It's not about numbers, it's not about size, it's not about any of that. It's It's about God wants to use us to be part of changing this world. Will you join me in saying, God, we want to be more than we have been? Will you join me in saying, God, we want more for this place than we've ever experienced? Listen, this church is bigger than any one person or one group of people. And this church was created before any of us were here, and it will be here after we leave. And I think the, per, the, the job of the church is, to, um, is, is for the people to make it better and stronger for the people that are coming after, that God can use it to continue to change the world. Listen, the church was created to be a Holy Spirit-empowered life and world-changing movement. And I think God wants to do it. And I don't want to settle for anything less. My question is, do you want to be part of something bigger than yourself? I think everybody wants to be part of something bigger than themselves. And this is an invitation. I think God has something for us we haven't experienced before. I put myself in the seat of those early disciples, and they'd never experienced the move of the Holy Spirit in their life. They'd never experienced the expansion, the explosion of a movement of life change. They'd never experienced in their life personally of what it meant to have the Holy Spirit infill and then change. Listen, this is not just about the church. This is about you. Do you know the same principles I'm talking about the church are the same principles for you? If you want the breakthrough in that life, it comes through. It comes through being obedient and submissive to Jesus and being consistently in prayer, believing in that's what moves our lives. I think God wants to do it in you and me as individuals, and then He can move the church. But I have to tell you, it takes more than Pastor Scott believing in this. I can get up here and I can do what I do and I can cry and I can do, you know what Scott does, because I'm passionate about this. This is about us though. This isn't just Pastor Scott was created on purpose for a purpose. This isn't about you being created on purpose on a purpose. This is us together. So I'm asking for that commitment. And so we're not going to end singing today. What I want to end today is just praying. The last song in our worship set, get this. That last song in the worship set was a new one. Do you know that Bradley had that ready to go weeks ago when I didn't know? What was that song about? A fresh wind of the Holy Spirit. I said to him yesterday, I said, you know, it's quite a coincidence. We didn't talk about that song, and I, I had a change on Wednesday. God, we need a fresh wind. 
asked Misty to play underneath this. You know the old song? Or not, it's not too, it's too old, but it's older. It's Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. We're not going to sing it. I just said, will you play that song underneath, almost as a theme, as an anthem? Holy Spirit, will you, you are welcome in this place to move. If you care about One Hope Church, if you care about God working in this community, in this world, Holy Spirit, this is how it's going to happen. And so I just want to end with a prayer. And if you want to join me in praying for this, if you want to join me asking God to do something bigger than any one of our lives, I just ask you in this moment to say, God, I'll commit to this. Heavenly Father, I have no idea what your plans for this church is. Every day, though, I am asking you and praying that you lead me as you've called me to lead this church to follow your Holy Spirit. But God, this place is not even close to being about me. This is about us. This is about you working through us. And God, I would pray you would break our hearts for you today that anything we're holding on to, that we're not being obedient to you, God, that you would break that. God, if there is any sort of attitude of, of, of unwillingness to be open to what you would have to do next, God, may you break that in us. God, I pray that you would unify every heart in this room and those even who are, are watching because they couldn't be here today. God, that if one hope is their church, God, that we be united with the mission you've called us to, to be a part of. God, I do pray for salvations in this place. I pray for marriages to be reconciled in this place. I pray for students to find their identity through this place. God, I pray for, for, for kids to know they're valued and loved because of this place. God, I pray that One Hope Church would never settle for just surviving, God, but you would help us to experience more. Not because of our efforts, not because of our talents, not because what we bring to the table, but because we've got you behind us. So God, today, will you create a unified, committed heart today in us to be obedient to you and to be united as one body, believing in how prayer works. And God, I just say, hopefully on behalf of all of us, our church is your church. And you do what only you can do. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you would like to hear more, check out our website at OurOneHope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.